welcome to Pop Culture Crush. I'm your host, Jessica Jones. Happy Friday! I can't believe we made it! And guess what? We've covered movies, we've covered TV, so now let's talk music. Today, our special guest is Coco, my hubs, and he's going to bring you his pop favorite 90s records right okay so yeah, yeah. this is uh my my favorite 90s albums or records yeah so yeah we'll go and give this thing a shot and what do you do, usually do just kind of go through yeah. the list or <laughs> yep so you just kind of it's been a little different every day yeah so they're used to just me rambling on so cool feel free well i've got <laughs> i've got a script here so uh hopefully between all these bullet points we can <laughs> Get something going. <laughs> I know. You're kind of looking like me, too. Oh, all right. So, yeah, I guess a little bit about me, other than being your husband, which is probably <laughs> my most important job. Uh, I also uh, listen to a lot of music and have played music over the years, um, you know, really starting playing in bands in my teens and through my 20s and did a little bit of touring here and there, you know, all the fun stuff you got to do. Is it true that you once had blue hair? I did have blue hair, <laughs> although that was not actually in my band era. That was in my DJ era oh. when I became really obsessed with like trance music, which <laughs> funny, funnily enough, I'm actually going to talk about that first off. So hey, perfect segue. Yeah. For the most part, I'm kind of rock and roll. That's what I play. I, that's what I listen to for the most part. Rock and roll, a little bit of folk, a little bit of stuff like mm-hmm. that. But for this weird moment in the 90s, I came really kind of obsessed with this idea that I was going to go out there and I was going to find what I considered perfect music. And I didn't know exactly what that was. And so I tried a bunch of different stuff and never really came up with anything until I found what at that time was being called electronica or techno, um, which was just kind of, those were just generic terms for kind of this overall, what what we call EDM today. So it's electronic dance music. Hmm. So that's uh, really kind of where I fell down on this idea that, oh, well, to create perfect music, obviously you can't have humans doing it. You have to have a computer, which is where uh, this came from. So um, one style in particular really spoke to me, and that was trance. And it's, so it's a subgenre of the electronica thing. Hmm. And it's kind of known as very symphonic, very epic, you know, a lot of sweeping ups and downs. And, you know, so if you think of like... Uh, movie score that would be kind of what, what they go for i was just gonna ask is that was that kind of big in 90s movies yeah if you right th- yeah i mean if you think of like the matrix or blade or blade like yep. we talked about yesterday yeah yeah exactly so trance would have been a big part of that and for me one record in particular uh was huge and that was by an artist called bt and the album was escom e-s-c-m that was mm. released in 1997 the reason I say is just I feel like it was really filled with outstanding and really catchy tracks, but unlike many records within that genre, it actually holds up uh, together as kind of a total work where a lot of times you'd have uh, DJs or artists putting together whole albums around one or two singles. This was actually, he had an idea and he executed it throughout the entire piece. So for me, BT's Eskom is really the prime example, the best example of what trance was in the 90s. So that awesome. was that's kind of where I start with my 90s music. Ooh, loving it. From there, it gets a little bit more mainstream. <laughs> so that's, that's about as far out as I'm going to go here. 
Um, number that's so that's number five. Number four on my list. Uh, this is way more traditional. Um, ben Folds Five, ah, yes. the unauthorized biography of Reinhold Mesner. So um, I want to say this was their last record as a complete band uh, before. Well, of that time, and they've since reformed and then broken up. And re- anyway, but uh, <laughs> before Ben Folds really went off to do his own solo thing. Um, and so for me, I, what I really love about Ben Folds is he's a piano player. So if you ever thought to yourself, uh, you'd really like Elton John, but you wish he swore more and was really sarcastic. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of what I always think of as Ben Folds. It's true. Uh, he was just really an angry young man back in the '90s, and kind of took some punk ideas and incorporated it with piano rock. And, yes, um, that's amazing. Yeah, it's so that that for me. Um, so his music really worked for me in that time. And this this record, uh, Reinhold Mesner, came out in 1999, so just oh, made wow. it under the buzzer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really built on the ideas that he had presented back on the band's breakout record, the previous one, which was called Whatever and Ever Amen. And that was the album that had the song Brick mm-hmm. that you've probably heard. He's a brick and <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think... With Reinhold Messner, he took those ideas and just really amplified the the epicness of it and just kind of the drama of mm-hmm. the record. And so, if you want a great example for just the really tongue in cheek, hilarious songwriting of Ben Folds, I'd recommend listening to a song off Reinhold Messner called "Army." I think you've played this song for me before. I've played it. Matter of fact, yeah. I believe I played it over breakfast this morning. <laughs> that explains why it sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, I may have been prepping you for this segment, maybe. In my head. So that, um, go check out Army. Um, it's hilarious and poignant all at the same time. Definitely worth a check out. Awesome. So number three, uh, we're going to, yeah, this, this is a little different, kind of. So um, number three is Johnny Cash's American Recordings 2 Unchained, and this is from 1996. And that's so interesting because when I think of Johnny Cash, I don't really think of the 90s. Yeah, most people don't. Yeah. But interestingly enough, uh, Johnny Cash really had a moment in the 90s. He put out, uh, prior to his death, he put out four really good albums. And after his death, his estate has put out a few pretty good records. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, Unchained, so American Recordings number two, Unchained is really my favorite. Um, so I grew up listening to Johnny Cash. Yep. That was a big part of um, my life. My grandmother loved her his music. Uh, she was a huge fan. And so I knew the man in black way back at an early age. Mm-hmm. And the last few years of his life, after decades of kind of living in obscurity, uh, Cash had one final comeback, thanks in log- large part to a producer named Rick Rubin. For me, this was perfect. It was a mo- It was modern, thoroughly modern, uh, that was fresh re- freshly released and received a lot of accolades, uh, but Cash himself was a stalwart. For me, he's really a mile marker on the highway of popular music. Hmm. So uh, what Ruben did was he came in and he just helped Cash produce these really honest, uh, a lot of times very raw-sounding records. He didn't um, go in and you know, make his voice sound better than it was. He is an old man. He sounded raspy. He sounded beat down by life. But he also sounded incredibly honest, which has always been very important to me when I listen to music. I yeah. look for authenticity. So uh, 
just as an aside, um, like I said, the American recordings, there was, um, I think there's been six total released, like I said, four before his death, two after. And on the first one, it was really interesting because literally to kind of get them started down this road of working together, Rick Rubin sat cash down in a living room, put a microphone in front of him, gave him an acoustic guitar and said, just play me some songs. And that's basically the whole first album is just him playing guitar and songs. That's amazing. The second album, he brought in a band, which interestingly enough was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. (laughs) Really? Yep. He brought in um, Tom Petty to back cash up. That's crazy. And they put out, um, like I said, these really great records. So Unchained uh, had a lot of covers of modern songs, uh, one of my favorites is a song called Rusty Cage, which I want to say was by Soundgarden, maybe. I'll have to go back and check that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, but just the idea of here's this guy who's been around music for 50 plus years doing, you know, alternative grunge rock songs. Yeah, uh, it was brilliant. That's awesome. And I think the kind of the epitome of that was a few years later when he covered the song Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Now, that album's not on my list because it was put out in like 2001 <laughs> darn it little little after the uh, <laughs> deadline there but um that's that is an, that's probably the epitome of what cash was doing at this time you know just taking these these new songs and giving him making them his his own and that's yeah. amazing anyway i've gushed about cash enough let's <laughs> let's move moving on hey it's johnny cash i mean he deserves his time yeah exactly mic. number two taking an about face here we're going straight up rock and roll or our alt-rock, as they called it, in the day. I'm going to put number two as uh, The Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. And this is from 1995. So alternative rock, obviously, that's kind of my bread and butter. That's what I listened to that whole era. And mm-hmm. so when I was trying to go through and figure out which one record to pull out of that time, you know, because the logical choices are things like, Nirvana's Nevermind or yeah. Counting Crows August and Everything After or the more obvious ones. Yeah. But for me, when I look back at my literally at my playlists, I find that I listen to Smashing Pumpkins on a pretty regular basis where like I'm just not ever jonesing to listen to an entire Nirvana record. I may pick out a song or two here and there, but sitting down and just going through an entire album from start to finish, it's yeah. not going to happen. So Melancholy and Infinite Sadness ended up on my list for that reason. I have listened to this thing straight through so many times. It's it's a double album, so it's two CDs. It is a long freaking collection of songs. <laughs> uh, but for me, I think it really shows the pumpkins at the height of their power. Billy Corgan was doing some really interesting things musically. He was... Um, putting together these songs that were just really freaking catchy and fun. And it, it really spans kind of the entire genre of alternative rock because, you know, you have stuff like at the beginning of the album, it's very symphonic. It's very epic. I keep, yeah. I keep throwing that word around today. No, but when it comes to your top list, I mean, epic is epic. Yeah. So it goes from that into just straight up hard rock. Um, it goes to some more kind of acoustic-y numbers and ballads. And it just, it runs the gamut. And I think it does a great job representing the whole genre and just kind of giving you a snapshot of what music was at that time, at yes. least what rock music was. It sounds was. like a good mix. Yeah. And it, and it keeps you interested. So that's, that's why I picked it as my number two. 
Nice. <gasps> Number one. I'm excited. I've got literally an entire page on this one. <laughs> So everybody else got half a page. My number one record gets a whole page. Buckle in, people. Buckle in. Okay. So if the Smashing Pumpkins are quintessential 90s music, my number one pick is not. And I w- this would be, in my mind, this, this kind of goes back more to like the Johnny Cash pick, where mm-hmm. it's a little less traditional. This album that I'm about to tell you what it is, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. in my opinion is one of the best collections of songs ever assembled. Wow. And it just happened to be released in 1994. So my number one record is the album Wildflowers by Tom Petty. Yeah, Tom Petty. Amazing. Pretty important to me growing up. I listened to a lot of Tom Petty. Tom Petty was kind of one of the reasons I started playing guitar in the first place. And that was a real tough loss a few years ago when he passed away. Oh, we were supposed to, we had talked about going to see him in concert. And then what was it? Something came up the last minute and we ended up not buying tickets when they went on sale. They sold out and we missed the show when he he came through the state. Yeah, and then he passed away, not... Like he finished that tour and died within like a week or two of finishing the tour. Yeah, that was heartbreaking for sure. So Wildflowers is... Uh, one of three solo albums that Tom Petty put out. Most of the rest of his work was either with his band, The Heartbreakers, or with The Traveling Wilburys, or his first band, Mud Crutch. Uh, the two other solo albums were Full Moon Fever, mm-hmm. which we all know and love, Free Falling. Now I'm free. That was in 1989, and then Highway Companion in 2006. So... That was his three solo albums, and I think they really are the best of his work. They're where he has the opportunity to just throw anything he wants at the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I mentioned before, this to me this is kind of similar to Johnny Cash's music. Uh, Petty was able to access an honesty and a clarity to his sound and lyrics on this album that he never really achieved before or after Wildflowers. I note Cash because Wildflowers was also produced by Rick Rubin. Oh. um, And that's kind of the connection there. Rick Rubin started working with Tom Petty actually earlier on. If you remember the song uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance. yes. Off uh, Tom Petty and Heartbreakers. Last Dance with Mary Jane. Yep. Off their Greatest Hits album. Um, that was the first track that Ruben produced with, with Petty and the Heartbreakers. Really? They just kept working together for another about 10 years. So is that how he became his backup? So that's it. So he was <laughs> Rick Rubin was brought in to work with Tom Petty before he was brought in to work with Cash. Look at that. So he already had that relationship. And I mean, of course, if you're Tom Petty and you have the chance to back up Johnny Cash, <laughs> you're going to take that chance. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's amazing. Another interesting story uh, Rubin told uh, here within the last year or so, talked about a conversation he had with Tom Petty when they were talking about the 20th anniversary of the release of Wildflowers. At that time, Petty said that after going back and re-listening to the songs on that album, that those songs scared him. He said he wasn't capable of writing songs that good anymore and seemed to be confused about how he managed to do it in the first place. Um, I've never actually heard an artist, I don't think, say that they are scared of their own work. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, So that's kind of crazy to me. If you don't believe me, uh, do this. Uh, As far as don't believe me that this is a fantastic record, here's what I want you to do. Skip the singles at the top of the album. Skip the bluesy stuff in the middle. It's all great, but just 
just skip it. Go straight to the last two songs of the album. Crawling Back to You and Wake Up Time are perfect songs. Uh, they make you feel things, take you on a journey, and they're catchy as hell. <laughs> so we're going to listen to those after we're done recording, right? I've already got it downloaded on Spotify on my phone, <laughs> so we'll be ready to go. Yes. Awesome. So that was your top five. Is that your top five? That's my top five. Pop five. Pop five. Top five. Pop five. Yep. <laughs> How you feel? Good? Uh, I feel like I talked really fast. Hey, when you're passionate about something, I totally get it. So thank you, Coco, my baby, for uh, being my first guest. And what do you all think? What are some of your favorite 90s records? I would love to hear them. So would Coco. We would love to hear them. So, um, gosh, also, we did it. We made it through the first week of Pop Culture Crush. Oh, gosh. This is it? This this is the first week. It is Friday isn't, already, isn't, isn't it? This is insane. Holy cow. How, I mean, you, the listener, my bestie, my pop culture bestie, how are you feeling about it? I'm feeling great. I think, yeah, I think it's going great. So I really hope you're back next week. We'll be covering tons more fun stuff. Uh, Coco will be coming in and out. We'll have guests um, here and there. And also, don't forget, today on Instagram, right, I'm posting my pop culture crush of the week in the stories. And that's just the things that I really like or I'm obsessed with or anything that really just kind of grabs me for the week. So don't forget to look on Instagram. Can you give us a hint what it's going to be? No. (laughs) Is it going to be Jack Nicholson? (laughs) Jack Nicholson, Winona Ryder, you know. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, Cher. No. (laughs) We're going to go old school. No new stuff. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. So uh, also, just a reminder, starting next week, we're going to be hanging out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So this week, I did every day just because I wanted us to get to know each other. Chat, talk. I really want to talk to you on social media. I'll definitely be on Instagram a lot. So come on over there. Send me your pop fives tens, whatever. I want to hear from you. I want this to be interactive. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my first week and just be sure to like and subscribe. And I'm all over the place on social media, pop culture crush or Twitter pop cult crush. Honestly, if you just look like I've said every day, (laughs) if you just look for the pink with the black TV and the heart, that's me. So come talk to me. Let's be besties. All right. Have a fantastic weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.